Welcome to the Frequency 49 show. I'm Paul MacDonald alongside Deepak Gohill and our new full-time co-presenter, Kev Nalen. Hello, boys. Hello. I'd also like to take this time to welcome another member to our production staff, Graham Ross, who is now the editor of the Frequency 49 show. So thanks very much to Graham for giving his time. It is the first show of a brand new season for the Frequency 49 show. It's great to be back, isn't it, lads? Yes, it is. Football season's always a long time coming, isn't it? Such a long off-season. It's been a very quiet summer and pre-season for the 49ers. Yeah, right. Who am I kidding? <laughs> so we thought we'd take this opportunity, take a look at where the San Francisco 49ers stand in the grand scheme of things with the NFL, the stuff that's happened over the past couple of months, past couple of weeks, and as we've been going to air, the story that Bruce Miller had initially been arrested for assault on a 70-year-old and then been released by the San Francisco 49ers. It's it's definitely all go, isn't it? Never a dull moment, yes. <laughs> Couldn't have put it better myself, actually, Kev. It really isn't. What an off-season it has been. Between the quarterback controversy, between Blaine Gabbert, Colin Kaepernick, was he going, was he staying? We've had players going all over the place. We've had the whole Chip Kelly thing. At what point can we just sit down and think it's football now, or is this going to be it for the season? You know, are we going to have is the San Francisco 49ers the soap opera of the NFL? You know, football season waits for nobody. There's teams that want to win the Super Bowl. There's teams that want to progress. There are teams that've got a point to prove, and they're out to hurt each other to get what they want. We are hurting ourselves and giving everybody a head start. So a lot of our drama is self-induced damage, unfortunately, in my opinion. Yeah, well, definitely. I think the comment you made about when can we sit down and enjoy the football season, I think at this rate, it'd be something like 2021 by the time we actually get around to doing that. (laughs) Oh, very good. Very good indeed. Um, Well, we have got a brand new head coach, Chip Kelly, um, came in with a lot of uh, a lot of history behind him. Um, he had two seasons at ten and six, followed by a six and ten season with the Eagles. But that that six and ten season, he was also the GM as well. Um, had a cracking record at Oregon, forty six and seven, while he was at Oregon, and he's taken over quite a few Oregon players on the Forty Nine ers squad as well. What are your guys' thoughts on Chip Kelly? Well, he's very contentious. He plays, in my opinion, a a very complicated offense to learn. That's not to say it's a bad offense. I think it just requires a a large investment of patience and time for it to to get right, you know. Now, the question we have to ask ourselves is, A, how much time do we have? We've got a rabid fan base that are demanding success now. And how savvy are the players we've got? that could actually take the time to learn and buy into Chip Kelly's system. And, you know, let's make one thing clear here. He is a new coach and he deserves an opportunity to be the coach. You know, I mean, we're ready to lynch, hang, draw and quarter anybody at the moment because we're we're such a poor team. But, you know, yes, he is contentious. Yes, he has got his way of doing things. But at the same time, there is potential in what he could bring to our team do we have the players and personnel to do it yes he was very successful at Oregon but this is the NFL this is not the Pac-10 Kev 
this is only the second time the 49ers have hired an NFL head coach or a, a coach that's had previous NFL experience. The previous coach that we hired was Dennis Erickson. You think that Chip Kelly's experience out of Philadelphia will help him in San Francisco, or is it completely irrelevant? To an extent, it's completely irrelevant. I don't really think it matters who the coach was this season. There's so much other off-field drama going on. Um, it doesn't really matter who they've brought in. It's still They've still got to deal with that that's going to make their job more difficult this season. First couple of seasons at Philadelphia, they went okay. The offence is pretty interesting to watch. It's got to be better than ours was last season. Um, not necessarily convinced he's too good defensively. But, um, yeah, like Dipak said, give him a chance and we'll try and see if we can actually string a few games together without any more wheels falling off the wagon. And bear in mind, he has a very rapid up-tempo offence and he his teams tend to field more snaps than any other team. So, you know, because we're going to be on our feet much longer, our players have got to be fitter and they've also got to be more focused because they'll simply be taking more plays, you know. So a lot depends on the commitment that the players want to make and the belief that they have in Kelly's system. And, you know, as of right now, everybody's 0-0. Um, it's a level playing field. Kelly deserves that from his players to, to put some faith in his system, you know, and give it an opportunity to work. Looking at the stats that we've got here, um, prepared, thanks, thanks very much by Mark Lyon. Um, the Eagles ran a play every 22.7 seconds under Chip Kelly, the fastest in the NFL. In 2015, the Niners were fifth fastest at 26.5 seconds per snap. So it, it shouldn't really be that much of uh, a jump for the 49ers to be able to react to Chip Kelly's fast-paced offense if they were already sort of in the top uh, in the top five team, should it? It shouldn't be, but I'm surprised that we were that high up. The amount of delay of game penalties we used to get. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking, Kev. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we 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 differed a lot, didn't we? It wasn't just delay of games; it was other very low discipline penalties, such as um, twelve men on the field, all that sort of stuff as well. You know, so again, all of this is pointing towards discipline or hearing a little lack of looking away from the head coach position now let's we've got to touch on the quarterback we've got to discuss that uh Blaine Gabbert has now been confirmed as the number one QB for the first game against the Los Angeles Rams on Monday night um next week the 49ers opening game Colin Kaepernick is going to be backing him up in the number two position do you think that's a fair reflection um, from the preseason games that we had, Kev? It's difficult to say with preseason games because they're trying so many different things and playing different players for different amount of times. Um, I think it's more a reflection of how we finished last season than anything we've done in preseason, and the fact that we didn't get anybody else in for that position. Yes, we took a draft pick and we brought in Ponder, but um, we 
gave our draft pick. We did. We cut them uh, amongst numerous other draft picks. We've got Ponder as a third QB, and we've then got another one on injured reserve. Interesting point. Sorry, Kev, to, to butt in there. You know, you mentioned Ponder, right, from Minnesota. Now, the, the elephant in the room is the quarterback controversy, which technically there isn't because Gabbard's number one. I agree that he, he deserves to start, continuing off the back of last season. I haven't seen any of the preseason games, so I can't say. But do you not think that Kaepernick is number two on the basis of the brand that is Kaepernick rather than the QB that is Kaepernick because, you know, we've seen Ponder play and he can make big plays like Kaepernick can. He can be mobile like Kaepernick can. And I suppose the point I'm trying to make is, do you think Ponder will still be number three halfway through the season or would he become number two or even number one? Because I think the real competition is not who's going to be the starting QB. I think the real competition will be who's going to be the backup. And I think um, I think Colin Kaepernick might find himself relegated to number three in that particular war. You've been, Deepak, you've been quite vocal. Um, I don't want to say in your criticism of Kaepernick, but in, in the whole QB um, war that's been going on in the, in, in the San Francisco 49ers, you, you, you very much sided away from Kaepernick and towards Gabbert. Is there anything that you can, that either of you can see in Kaepernick that can keep him at the 49ers? Let's face it, that's what we're talking about now. You know, if, yeah. he, if he drops down the depth chart even further, he's going to fall off the end of it and go. Is that, something that, is that something that we want? Is it something it's that not, the 49ers need? It's really simple, um, Paul. If Colin Kaepernick can help us win football games, then he has to be an active role in this team. He has to play an active role, a contributory role in this team. Okay, Can he help us win football teams right now? To know. Um, <clears throat> coach says that Gabbert is probably a better place to be starting QB. And, and I agree because I haven't seen anything from Kaepernick to displace Blaine Gabbert. If he'd done something shown something that can say, hang on, maybe Blaine Gabbert shouldn't be the starting QB, maybe it should be Kaepernick. I'd be fine with that. If you can help us win football games, I'd be fine with that. And, you know, what he did, the brought this controversy about standing for the national anthem, you know, I'll give Colin Kaepernick his props. I have a great deal of admiration for what he did, perhaps not necessarily how he did it or choosing the way that he did it, but he did this... And he struck me as being somebody who's principled, which is not a virtue I would have given him a credit for before. you know. And he did this not to solicit attention. He never made any public declarations or tweeted out that he was going to do it. The media jumped on it. In fact, he stood for one, he sat for one game and nobody even noticed. you know. So <clears throat> I think, look, let's not slaughter Colin Kaepernick here, the man. Okay, Kaepernick, the man, yeah, I got big props for him. I'm proud of that he's making a stand. My fear with this is that it's also going to divide the fan base even more. There will be people who support what he does. There are people who say, no, he's wrong. There are going to be some that say, this isn't the way that we need to be going into a season. You know, all of those things. But the thing is, it's, it's always something with us, you know. So Cap's free speech and all of that, fine. Good luck to him. I'm with him on that. My only, only thing with Kaepernick is, can he win for can he help us win football games? If he can help us win football games, 
I don't care if the thing says life on Mars, I want him playing for us, you know. And he has got the tools, he has got the capability. But, and again, I've questioned this before, does he have the desire to want to do that? And that's the question that's still, I believe, unanswered after three seasons. Touching just surely on the, um, the national anthem issue where he sat for the national anthem in one game, then took a knee for the national anthem in the following game and his reasons behind it. One thing that sort of came into my mind, but I never, I, I, I've never expressed it anywhere up until now. These players are hailed as role models, aren't they? They are idolised by fans. They are role models. Here's a guy who has taken an, a, a, a current very strong issue in the United States of America and has made a, a protest stand against it, if you like. That's what role models are about, isn't it? And then all of a sudden, he's been absolutely lambasted in the media for it. There's, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of the word for it, but I really can't think of the word. Um, there's something quite contradictory about all of that, isn't there? Well, you can put, you can look at it in several different ways. On a personal level, yeah, as a role model, he's shifted a lot of attention to his cause. And don't forget, in the last game, it wasn't just Kaepernick that took a knee. Eric Reid also took a knee with him in solidarity. Um, and what's also going to be more interesting is what are we going to see at Levi's? Are we going to see fans that sit to support Cap? Are, we, are they supporting Kaepernick, the quarterback, or are they supporting Kaepernick, the political activist? You know, Muhammad Ali's done this as well. You know, they've all been activists. They're using their sport to get their message across. Fine, if that's going to get them the advertising that they need. But I think we need to segregate when we're just talking purely about football. Colin Kaepernick, the quarterback, is separate to Colin, Colin Kaepernick, the activist for social justices. Because, you know, that doesn't get him a free pass in the NFL, being a champion for civil rights. Okay, What gets him a pass in the NFL is being good at being a football player. And we're Niner fans, we want to see the team win. And... If Kaepernick can find and be the football player that can help us win games, I will embrace him with open arms. You know, we need all the help we can get. But this, yeah, you can argue that the timing of it, you see, look at the timing of it. Did Kaepernick decide to do it at that time or was he advised to do it? My personal belief is that he just did it. It was only the press that picked up on it because he wasn't going to mention it to them either. You know, so... But it's something we could have done without. He could have made this differently. He could have made this stand, stance, say, at a Giants game, you know, by refusing to stand. You know, and this refusing to sit, refusing to stand is a bit crazy. I bet you hundreds of thousands of Americans watch sports every day and none of them get off their sofas when the national anthems are playing, when they're watching at home. Yeah. It's a very good point. Um... Staying slightly off-field um, for a second, we are going to get onto the on-field stuff, I do promise. Um, we've got to talk Bruce Miller. Uh, as we said in the intro to the show, uh, Bruce Miller was arrested earlier today. Uh, we are recording this on Monday um, for allegedly assaulting two people in a hotel room in San Francisco. Within about half an hour of that announcement, he had been released by the San Francisco 49ers. Now, Bruce Miller had been in trouble, was it last year as well, where he was also arrested? Yeah, I can't remember what he did last year. We have a history of um, 
shall we say, um, naughty boys at the San Francisco 49ers, don't we? Is this... Has a line been drawn in the sand now? Um, because, you know, we, we've had players before who have been able to get away with almost anything and not be dropped by the 49ers. Now, we've got Bruce Miller dropped within half an hour of a new story coming out. Is this a line well, in the sand, do you think? Well, you say we've got a lot of naughty boys in our in our team, and we have. But are they naughty because they're allowed to be naughty? Look at Alden Smith. He got, he got opportunity after opportunity to redeem himself. And it sets a dangerous precedent that that sort of behaviour is acceptable. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with you. You know, we can help you. We can get you help. But you need to be helped. All that touchy-feely crap. But the bottom line is, you know, a lot of American football players are not very nice people. You know, they're very aggressive. They're, they're physical. They're tough guys, you know. So... <clears throat> We are naughty boys. Yeah, we're naughty boys. We're bad boys. We're bad boys. But why are why why our team in particular has got such a bad reputation with this? And again, we talked about discipline. And I'm thinking, are we a soft franchise? In that, you know, we've set a lot of dangerous precedents in allowing these type of idiots to continue playing for us. You know, so maybe the lack of discipline is flowing from the top. And going all the way down to the players, thinking, well, I can do this and I'll be without reproach. I'll be fine. I'll still have a job. I'll still be cool. You know, um, it, it, it asks deeper questions, I believe. Okay, have you got any input on that? I think, yes, we do have a history of this kind of player activity. I think that we notice it more because we're 49er fans. I think there are a lot of other teams that have similar issues and deal with them in the same way. Some deal with them differently. Because I think it's, it is an NFL-wide issue that the volume of these incidents isn't insignificant compared to other sports. Um, it's just that I think we are very 49ers-focused. So we see a lot of these things because it affects us. And I don't think as a team we deal with it in the best way. Um, if we had a, taken a hard line a few years ago, perhaps we wouldn't necessarily be in the situation we are now. But, and also I think one thing that's very conducive to winning is discipline. If you look at all the great teams that have won championships, they've all been disciplined. You know, people do their jobs. They do their assignments and teammates look out for one another, you know. Where, I don't know, can you say we're rebuilding or are we just going through the motions again this season or what we're doing? But in order to win, we have to have a, a level of discipline that's going to be unwavering. And I, I sort of don't see that either. You know, you can have the most talented team, but without discipline, they may not win. We don't even have talent. We've only got one marquee player. That's Navarro Bowman. The rest of them, nobody's ever heard of. You know, so when you factor in all these different things, I think, I think the crux of this podcast is really is how do we rebuild from this? How do we regroup? And how long is it going to take for this team to become competitive again? You know, that's what we want is this team to be winning again. This is not something that we're used to being the laughing stock of the league, you know, with the new Cleveland Browns. Well, speaking of competitive, uh, let's start taking a look on the field. Uh, the 49ers do have one of the toughest schedules 
in the NFL season this year. Um, um, they opened the season to the LA Rams um, before they visit the Panthers, Seahawks, and they got the Cowboys at home, Cardinals at home, away at the Bills, and then at home to the Buccaneers. Um, on from that, we've got the Saints, Cardinals, Patriots, Dolphins, Bears, Jets, Falcons, Rams, and Seahawks. What's your initial feeling of, of this season coming up? What do you think we can do? Is it just a case the 49ers are going to tread water? Do you think they can make progress from last season? Or do you think we are on a downward spiral? I think we can play a lot better than last season and not necessarily win as many games as we did last season. I know that sounds a bit backwards, but yeah, makes sense. We have got we have got the equal toughest schedule. It's only the Falcons have got the same strength of mm. schedule that we have. Um. So yeah, we've got some tough teams to play this year, due to the way all, all the divisions have fallen as to who we've got to play this season. We're in one of the toughest divisions. I mean. Probably two out of the top four NFC sides come out of our division. Um, I think that we can play better, we can score more points, we can be better in defence than we were last season, but just not be able to win those games. Yeah, because of the strength of schedule, yeah. Uh, Deepak, what's your thoughts on the the season coming up? Well, strength of schedule, brand new coach. This has got Leicester City written all over it, hasn't it? We're going to win the Super Bowl. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> get your money on it now at 150 to 1 deeper no, said it no I think I think Kev's right to some degree you know that we might play better but lose and really that's just a reflection on other teams being better than we are you know uh, I don't think we would well it's not a question I, I don't think it's just we don't know when we look at this roster and We've never heard of half of these players. We don't even know who they are, you know. So it's going to be interesting to see how how they scratch up. But uh, I, I honestly truly believe this, that we are in the hands of Chip Kelly here. And he's the guy that can get us out of the situation that we're in. So we have to really get behind Chip Kelly, what he's trying to do with these players. I wasn't a Chip Kelly fan, and I suppose I'm not. But right now, he's the only person that can help us. So he's the guy that we have to go to. Um, the schedule is brutal. There's no doubt about it. Um, and our division is not a cupcake division either. Okay, um, two potential, two teams in our division could potentially win the Super Bowl at this stage. You know, uh, the strong Arizona are strong. Seattle always strong. You know, so, and we have to play each of those twice. So that's that's his, that's half his schedule there and then. You know, without adding in New England, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So. I don't know. I think, I think we have to take it back to basics and win the win the fights we can win. So that would mean like try, try and beat the Rams, you know, try and beat the Dolphins, you know, those sorts of teams. Um, also in our division, the LA Rams. They've moved from Seattle. They've they've always been kind of a bogey team for the 49ers, haven't they? And where we've expected to win against what was the St. Louis Rams, we've fallen to them at home. Do you think them moving from St. Louis to LA, their travel distance is going to be a lot shorter now for the home games? Is that going to make it easier for the Rams, or is the the, the shakeup in that organisation maybe going to be a chink in their armour, and the 49ers could actually take both of those games, whereas previously we've tended to split them? Well, 
I think it, I think it might be difficult for them in that they've moved back to LA, but they haven't yet moved into a, their home. So they're playing out the Coliseum this year, aren't they? Um, but it's not it's not really their home stadium. So they've still got that kind. Of, they're going to have that bit of kind of temporary on the road piece. And it can go two ways because Minnesota have done a hell of a job the last two seasons while they've been out of their stadium, playing in a temporary stadium for them. But then other teams have done that and they've just struggled and struggled badly. I think that's a good point you make, Kev, of the stadium. So there's nothing better than the Rams playing in the Coliseum. It's proper old school. And... Whilst an NFL team doesn't have any civic connection to the city it's in, I mean, look at us for a start, right? There are going to be Rams fans who will turn out in their droves to watch them. But the Coliseum is, is a massive stadium. It's a 100,000-seater, you know, and even if they get a decent-sized crowd of 17, maybe even 65,000 people, it's still going to look half empty, you know. So it sort of takes the home advantage away because it's such a cavernous stadium. It's a huge, huge stadium, the Coliseum. So it's going to feel strange. I think the players are, no doubt, they're, they're going to be very professional, but until they get their home home stadium established, and then that's when the home field advantage will kick in, because I think the Rams are there for the taking, you know, because they always have been. And you say they're a bogey team, Kev. It used to be, a, it wasn't that long ago, that when you looked at the schedule, you know that those would be your two gimme wins for every single season, you know, but it's not like that anymore. Okay, so based on those 16 games, um, let's uh, let's nail our opinions to the mast. Deepak, what do you think right now? Our uh, our final tally, but our final tally will be at the end of the season. Oh boy, what a difficult question. Uh, I think if we broke even and had an eight to eight, eight, eight and eight season, that would be exceptional because of all the problems and a new coach. I think personally, uh, I think if we hit four games, that's a good start to rebuilding properly. Uh, but it could be anything between zero and four games. Probably not zero. God, I'll kill myself if it's zero. But uh, I'll take the four wins right now if it's offered to me. Okay. Kev, what about you? I think looking at the schedule, I think if we play better than we did last season, I think we've got the possibility to pick up and do a 7-9. and nine. I think we can beat the Rams at home. I think we can beat the Bucks at home. I think we can beat the Dolphins, depending on what Dolphins turn up on the day. Cowboys at home, they're going to be a strange thing this season because obviously, yeah, we've got the Saints at home. Saints can't play away. And... Um, the Bears, that's a toss-up game, despite the fact it's away in December. Um, and then the Falcons, we're playing off the back of a bye week. Yeah, okay, that's away. But the Falcons dropped off the end of a cliff last season. And the Patriots as well. We've, we've, I believe we have them in our schedule. I'm sure we do. We do. We've got them at home. Yeah, uh, yeah November. Yeah. And the Jets, the, the AFC East, we yeah. have actually. Is yeah. Which is actually a weak division. Well, the Dolphins are weak, but the other three, well, Buffalo finished 8-8, eight eight, didn't they? But the other two finished with 10 wins. 
The Jets only missed out on the playoffs on um, tiebreak. Do you honestly think we're going to win seven games out of that, Kev? I think so. I think we. I think it's possible for us to win seven games. I do think it's possible, and I agree with you on that. If, if we chill and we and we get a bit of a roll on, then yes, I think we I can do. do that. And that roll starts with really winning the first game. That's your statement game right there. You know, when you go one and zero, oh, that settles everything down. And and that's why I think the Rams game is going to be huge for us. You know, we absolutely positively have to win that game. So, Deepak, you're going four and ten. Kev, you're going seven and nine. The uh, the over under for the season is five point five. I'm gonna go slightly over. I'm gonna go six and ten. I think. I think we've got it in us to win six. I'm not quite sure about that seventh one. Um, so that's our predictions for the season. Let us know your predictions on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. A uh, couple of other stats for you. Since 2002, we've only had three winning seasons. All of those were in the Harbour era. Conversely, from 1981 to 2002, we only had three losing seasons. 82, 99 and 2000. Um, you can't really count 82. <laughs> it's in there. No, it's, it's in there. It's a, it's a nine-game strike season, for crying out loud. Well, you can, Kev, because somebody did win a Super Bowl that year, so it is what it is. But I'm with, I'm, I, I totally understand your point, and I think it's it's a point well worth making. You know, it's just a little stat to throw in there. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, go Niners! I mean, it's still everybody's still nil nil. Anything can happen any given Sunday, and all that. You know, so just got to get behind the team. We we really need to get behind the players and. Oh, and just one more thing, um, in case it's escaped anybody's notice, Colin Kaepernick is now the top-selling 49ers player shirt. Again. He is indeed, yeah. Is he not the top-selling shirt in the NFL now? I don't know about the NFL, but certainly I think he is for the 49ers. Uh, he might be for the NFL. Um, right, he's the best-selling player on the team, according to the website, team's website. So, hmm. And they went on half price, and then they went back to full price again, didn't they? <laughs> That's it for this episode of the show. Thanks to AudioNautics.com for the music. Thanks to Rob Newell for the fantastic blog post he's been publishing over the last few months. Thanks to James Little for running our Twitter and Instagram accounts. Thanks to our researcher, Mark Lyon, for compiling the stats for today's show. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Frequency49. And on Facebook, search the Frequency49 show. It's time to say goodbye, boys. Bye. Goodbye, boys. On behalf of Kev Nalen and Deepak Gohill, I've been Paul MacDonald, you've been the audience, and this has been the Frequency 49 show. Bye for now.